0: And we are back. It was a pretty big week. It was a pretty big, pretty, pretty, pretty big week. So Sean and I, the last few weeks, have either A, not had our schedules lined up because he works retail and I do not. So he works weirder hours. Or Skype last week decided to let uh, neither of us get online, uh, or neither of us. And we tried many different options for about an hour so we tried uh that didn't work out uh once again sean crazy work hours but we got a special guest with us to talk about the topic that's on everyone's mind what is wrong with men's basketball
1: it's it's (laughs) a train wreck you know we're a softball school anyway
0: yeah so um tldr everything sucks but I'm eating Haribo peaches during this podcast, so those should definitely not suck.
1: That is the one one piece of joy that we have.
0: So that's where I'm at in my life right now. So,
1: so uh, obviously, the biggest discu- topic of discussion for virtually this entire podcast will be that uh, to put it kindly the transition away from coach Helfrich. Um Rusty what are your uh, what, what was your initial reaction when that news came out uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night so so last night
0: right so the the reports are that chip Kelly's signing is imminent it's just a matter of time I um, just kidding he just quote was quoted saying I'm not going back to college. Um, it ain't Yeah, it ain't happening. Um, I was, well, A, I was just glad that the decision was made. Because um, I got strung out for a little bit, which I was not a fan of. But um, I'm just glad it was, I'm, I'm glad it's over at this point. Because I really got sick of hearing people talk about it. Because I had a rule where I just refused to talk about it. Um. So I'm glad we can just move on with our lives collectively. Um, and at first, I was... I lost some hope of... Um, for, for a second there after the Oregon State game of just having doubts if Helfrich could turn it around like in the in the next year or two. And today... On Wednesday, I am probably in the minority thinking that we should have kept him as head coach.
1: So my initial reaction, I guess I'll frame it this way so we have a little bit of context here. Um, I, this entire year, have not thought that it's been I, I haven't thought that it was a good idea to, to fire Coach Helfrich, um, as some background, I, I work at the administration side of college athletics, um, in a non-Power 5 program and For now. For now. Uh, I have worked at a Power 5 school in the past, so I kind of see both sides of it. Um, As someone who works on the administration side of a college athletics program, there are times when the business side of college athletics is very fickle and disappointing and um, really makes you question what the purpose of college athletics is. You hear, especially around March Madness, but around the college playoff, football playoff and um, just around the entire environment of college athletics, you hear about so much that college athletics is more than just wins and losses. College athletics is supposed to be about developing young men and women and giving them an experience that helps them grow from kids into adults and giving them memories that they'll never forget and and really playing a role in the education of a student athlete and to me what to me the, there was never a doubt that Coach Helfrich was very good at that aspect of his job. I never had a doubt from day one that he was hired to yesterday when he was fired, that the men of Oregon were in good hands, that he was doing the best that he could to, to provide a structure for them, provide a support, a family for them away from home, and help them grow in four or five years that are really important when you're in college. Um, so, what his firing meant to me is all that lip service that you pay to that really doesn't mean shit. Because what his firing says to me is if you, it, it's, it's about wins and losses. If you don't win, you're out it's basically the same as the NFL um, because for as much lip service as we pay to how important it is to give student athletes the best experience that they can with them and serve as a teacher, if you don't win, you're out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really disappointing to me because as someone who is a former student athlete, yeah, obviously I'm I'm competitive as hell. I hate to lose. I mean it. Rusty can attest to this. He's seen me both on the field and uh, playing FIFA. <laughs> and I hate to lose. And this season was not fun. I mean, I there were definitely games where I was going on long walks after I was watching a game mm-hmm. because I'm upset about losing. But. The whole thing just seems like it's. It, it seems like we're not we we lost this long term view, mm-hmm. right? It, it's very spur of the moment. It's it's what have you done for me lately? And and on the flip side, I'm not naive. I know football drives the bus. Football is the revenue producer. And it, which is especially key at Oregon, which is one of the few schools in the country that has a self-sufficient athletics department in terms of budget. But when we talk about college athletics and how important it is to have not just the wins and losses, but also the, you know, teacher aspect of being a head coach, what Helfrich is firing to me says is that maybe an administrator looks at the teaching app like 1% Mm -hmm. but if you don't win it doesn't mean shit and that's, that's disappointing because as a former student athlete I don't know if you feel the same way but I learned far more about myself by being on a team and by being in that team atmosphere than I ever learned in class I mean, you you learn, you know, technical things, business things, whatever. But I learned far more about myself by competing and being on that team. Mm -hmm. And if that's not that important and only winning and losing is important, then I guess what I got into college athletics for is not as important to administrators, which is Mm -hmm. sad to me. So that's a very long winding initial reaction to what happened with, with uh, coach Alفرج's firing. But that's that's what that draw brought. Up.
0: Yeah, and I I agree with that pretty much entirely. And I think Oregon, which is really like the crown jewel of stability and really kind of staying disciplined with the process. Um, this firing kind of shows uh, that in today's sports landscape, which even in the last five years has changed drastically, that absolutely nobody is safe at this point. So, I mean, with all the stuff with Art Briles and Joe Paterno, like they won. And that's why the schools kind of not only like fudged around and like did the did the gray area, but they like literally sold their souls, especially Baylor, which is a Baptist school, um, just because Art Briles won. And you know uh, this from firing reminds me of uh, when Ernie Kent was fired, and it was one of those where. He, as a coach, was just... When it came down to it, he was bad for business. And the revenue coming from that sport was falling. And that's what I kind of see with Helfrich is that there was like no faith from him from most of the fan base, which directly results in ticket sales. Um, and so the buyout becomes a lot easier when you're looking at an upcoming season and you could see a few million being gone just from ticket sales alone. I don't know. You you have more of an inside knowledge on the realities of that situation.
1: I think that's fair. I mean... Yeah. I I think you kind of... Just how... A rising tide lifts all boats. You know, if you're losing as a program, I don't think I don't think that Oregon's administrators were in a good position either way. If they kept Helfrich or if they fired Helfrich, mm-hmm. because regardless of whatever they took, whatever action they took, everybody has a bad taste in their mouth right now, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I would say that I've seen some people um, on Twitter and social media and comments boards and everything. I've seen some people be happy about Helfrich being fired. By the way, as a side note, if you're happy about Helfrich being fired, you're happy about someone losing their job. So reevaluate your priorities. But going back to my main point. The vast majority of people that I've seen are just – they don't have good feelings about this, mm-hmm. whether it's not feeling good about Rob Mullins or not feeling good about the state of the program or not feeling good about anything else. When you have those negative feelings like people did last year after the Alabama Bowl. People don't renew their season tickets. People drop their donations. Mm-hmm. People don't, corporations don't re up on sponsorships. So, either way, whether they kept Elfridge or fired Helfrich, the bottom mm-hmm. line in terms of dollars and cents is is not where administrators are going to want it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point. If financial decisions came into play, then you're really just trying to to save as much money as you possibly can because you're losing money compared to what the potential was. It's just a matter of what's better. Um, Personally, I don't – and I have no inside knowledge of this, by the way, but personally I I would doubt that a season ticket renewal – really had that much of an impact on this. I think this is more about Rob Mullins and the administrators and perhaps some top donors called Phil Knight. Um, their view of long-term trajectory of the program. That's yeah. just my... Thing. So I guess with that in mind, it's a, it's an easy transition to what do you think this means? What 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 does this transition mean for the athletics department as a whole for the football program? What what do you what do you think it means?
0: I think in a lot of ways that um like one of my favorite quotes is from Iron Mike Tyson, where he said, like, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I think even though there were bad years, like, in 2006 or 2004, like, they were manageable. Um, But, you know, this one was bad in the sense that, you know, he gave up 70 to Washington, like, 54 to ASU. uh, No, I read that wrong. 35 to ASU, 52 to a Stanford offense. That was terrible. 51 to Washington State, but granted, Washington State's really good this year. Um, 52 to Cal in a close game. and So some of these games were just like so lopsided that it was really stunning in a way. And I think that Oregon kind of panicked in a way and kind of got away from the process. And so with no real given on what's going to come of the assistant coaches that have been there for decades. You know, it's a total overhaul of Oregon football. And what we're going to see next year is not the Oregon football that we've seen for the last 30 years. It is like a completely different
1: Um, entity at that point I agree I mean when I think about what this means to me what it means for the football program number one is it's an end of an era right? When, when Rob Mullins got up there at his press conference last night and said for the first time in a long time we're going to be looking at someone outside the program to be our head coach that's that's wiping the slate clean and that's part of what is what is real sad about this to me is you have guys like coach greatwood who kind of sent out a cryptic tweet today which basically said he's retiring and then he's he's been at oregon 31 years i believe 34 years something like that um Don Pelham Gary Campbell to a lesser extent John Neal because he's a little bit younger but those are guys that have been at Oregon longer than I have been alive and they've they've been part of building the program up they've been part of times when the program was down and rebuilding it up they've been there for our only two national championship appearances ever. Um, And this, when you fire a head coach, you're not just firing the head coach, you're firing everything about that program. So this is starting not from scratch, but just about as close to scratch as you can get. So that's what I think it means for the football program. Um, what I think it means for the athletic department is actually – I think it it's interesting and it is – I would not want to be Rob Mullins right now because yeah. Rob Mullins just put himself in a position where his – this hire to me is the most pressure-filled hire of his career because going back to what I was saying before – If he hires someone and they don't win, and they don't win soon, he can't go back to the argument of, well, have some patience. He's a really good mentor. He's a really good educator. Because him firing Helfrich, who was good at those areas, which are supposedly very important in college athletics, the firing of Helfrich said that we care about winning and losing first and foremost, period, end of story. So if his, if Rob Mullins' new hire does not win and does not win relatively soon, which to me is two to three years, then the heat on Rob Mullins goes way up, in my opinion. Because you can't go back to the well don't worry everybody he's a really good teacher argument so that, that's what it means to me about the athletics department and about Rob Mullins' future the administrator's future because it's now it's much more black and white there, there's no shades of grey of well this coaching staff is doing a really good job behind the scenes it's, it's about the results on the field Um, I guess kind of a secondary what it means is short-term, what happens with recruiting? I mean, we've already had two decommits in the last two days. Um, Our top cornerback recruit decommitted. Today, a lineman decommitted, a defensive lineman from Utah. So it'll be interesting to see how recruiting shapes up because – unless you make a big splash and you sign a name that people get excited about and 16-year-olds get excited about, you could be looking at a recruiting class that is mediocre at best. And National Signing Day, is it's coming up. I mean, it's I think it's, what, first week of February? Off the top of my head? Yeah. Um, so if
0: you hated people coming in outside the program for like just a couple years out of JUCO or whatever you're really going to dislike the next few years you're going to have a bad time
1: Th- there's going to have to be some stop gaps and that's been okay i mean we've seen when when Dana Altman first got hired he heavy he was heavy on jucos and that worked out for for coach altman now, basketball is a little bit different. I mean, there's a lot less personalities to deal with uh, than a 100-man football team. But it, it'll be interesting. Um, well, I guess we'll see what happens. I Overall, to me, what this represents is a major shift in the priorities of the Oregon Athletics Department. Mm-hmm. Um, now, maybe underlying, maybe in the past, wins and losses have always been paramount and have, and have always been number one. I mean, anytime you're in college athletics, you want to win. But that's the one thing that separates, in my mind, college athletics from the pros, is in the pros, if you're not winning, that's it. That's that's the only thing that matters. In college athletics, that's that's one of the main differentiators of college athletics is it's supposed to be about more than winning and losing. Um, people could say that's naive, but that's been my experience. And that's what, that's at least what the NCAA wants to put out there. Right. They want to make it about more than wins and losses. That's, that's their whole campaign. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, it's it's a big, it's a, it's a shift in thinking in my mind. So yeah. what do you think about, I guess, what do you, what do you think about the coaching search? What do you think is going to happen?
0: Um, I'm afraid that it's going to be a little bit like the basketball hiring where everybody gets an extension, except, and no, and we don't get a coach for a while. So, like the Allman hiring turned out really well, but you know, when Oregon went after Izzo, and uh, I'm trying to remember the guy who was at Butler, and what really came of it is everybody else got extensions. And so that's what I'm kind of afraid of that Oregon's kind of the exciting team that can hold the other teams hostage in a way um and obviously Oregon's not going to get a premier coach so whoever we get is going to be is going to have some question marks around them so i mean there there it's like it's like when for me right now it's like when you go to a restaurant and a few things look good but nothing really catches catches your eye I could go with a lot of it. I see pluses and minuses. But, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. I'm not sure what to do. It's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay with whatever decision I make, but I'm not going to, like, be in love with it.
1: I think this year is really interesting in terms of coaching candidates because in years past, uh, and maybe this is because, you know, Tom Herman is off the market who was – really the darling of college football for this entire year. And he was
0: always going to Texas, if Charlie Strong was gone. He was always going to Texas.
1: Yeah, either that or I mean, LSU, Texas, those were really the two that he was going to go to, but um, unlike in years past, in my mind, there was never a super hot coaching candidate this year. And even Tom Herman, his luster kind of wore off as the year went on as Houston lost games. Um, I mean, in, in years past, off the top of my head, Kevin Sumlin has been one of those where everybody wanted him. Um, you know, when Urban Meyer said he was he was coming back and he was healthy, and he, was gonna, he was one of them. This year, to me, is different in that, all of the available coaching candidates that come to mind have obvious flaws that you can pick at. Um, So I I was looking at some of the people that have been named, uh, whether it's from credible news sources or fans, just, you know, dream wish lists. And I put together... Five categories. Yeah. First category. Uh, this is the one that jumped out of the page right away. A, a big news story said Chip was Chip was coming back. Chip's coming back. This category is that ain't gonna happen. Chip ain't walking through that door. All right, it's, it's not happening. He shut it down today. And, granted, Chip has shut down rumors that he wanted to go places and then interviewed for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers job in the past. But Chip's not walking through that door.
0: No. Everybody
1: says, oh, we we need to go get Nick Saban. Nick Saban ain't walking through that door. All right, so that's the, category. It's yeah. the first category that happened.
0: Although, yeah, so this entire uh, time people were like, oh, is Chip Kelly coming? I'm like, no. Absolutely not. He hated doing recruiting. He didn't talk to boosters, but he got away with it because he was winning. You know, you you get away with a lot of stuff if you're winning. And
1: everything hindsight, hindsight is all rose-colored glasses. If, If you remember when he left for Philly, all the stories were he left and donors didn't like him because he shut him out of practice and he didn't talk to donors. I mean it it's like that old saying like you can't just come back home things are different now right yeah so those that's my first category is just don't bother wasting your breath about those guys second category the better as the coordinators category yes the veterans coordinators category comprises of Lane Kiffin and Greg Shiano because they're doing a great job at their respective schools right now. But if you remember Lane Kiffin and Greg Schiano and their past head coaching stints, I don't want them anywhere near our program personally.
0: Yeah. I mean, he didn't have any amazing – So I was listening to a podcast today and they were like really high on Greg And it was talking about how he was like a great, a great guy working with players and everything. But it's, it's clear that that's not a factor. Um, and he did really well at Rutgers relatively when he had like Ray Rice. Um, but he never crushed it. Although Rutgers might be one of the toughest places to coach in the country. But it's like, I don't know. Greg Shiano's not exciting. He, he left for oh, the Bucks.
1: The, the, the degree of difficulty is
0: high. Would you say you cut out a little bit?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah the, the degree of difficulty at Rutgers is high. Um, but my lasting memory of Greg Shiano is his players basically revolting on him at, in Tampa Bay. Now, I mean granted that's a little bit different. That's you're dealing with grown men in the pros, but uh both him and Lane Kiffin, to me are just head coaching experience is important and if you have been a successful head coach, that's important. Um but uh, I don't know about that, man. Uh, I'm I'm not sold on those guys.
0: I'm not either. I don't I don't like him. I don't.
1: And granted, I mean, that they have their pros. Lane Kiffin, to his credit, is a fantastic play caller. And Greg Schiano, Ohio State's defense has been solid since he's been there. But in terms of running a program, I'm, I'm not sold on those.
0: I'm not either. Well, I heard Greg Shiano I was like,
1: no! Next category I came up with. Mm, might have some adjusting to do for the culture of Eugene. Maybe not the greatest fit. The two that I came up with this, Les Miles, Jim McElwain. Uh-huh. Thoughts? Uh,
0: Les Miles is maybe the one of the worst names to be throwing around. I loved him as a coach when he was at LSU. There's really no circumstance. It was like, it was like when Lane Kiffin was at Tennessee. I loved him as a head coach. When he's not coaching my team. And... Because I love Lane Kevin just talking the most trash to everybody in the SEC. But if you are frustrated with offensive play calling and the perceived ineptitude of the offense, even though that statistically was not true, uh, you would run less miles out of town within the first year. There's nobody who's worse at clock management, who does... Dumb stuff on offense. Like, they're down two to a team. They're on like the nineteen yard line. Two seconds left, and they're like, you know what we're doing? We're throwing a fade route.
1: Ain't nothing wrong with that.
0: <laughs> like, you're not you are not you he would get run out of town. Like, as soon as things went badly.
1: And not like, to mention uh not to mention his history of grooming quarterbacks, which apparently is a really big deal. Uh now that we've gone with JUCO transfers the last two years, um, I, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not super excited to see Justin Herbert's maturation under the tutelage of Les Miles.
0: It won't happen. Not not even just developing quarterbacks. He had. Who did he have? He had Odell Beckham Jr., Jeremy Hill, Zach Mettenberger, who was an NFL starter for a couple of years.
1: Spencer Ware,
0: Spencer Ware, all of those guys were on the same team. He had a terrible yeah. offense that year,
1: and so so he he was number one on my list of not a fit for Eugene. Number two was Jim McElwain, mostly because one of the things that I really liked about um, Coach Alfridge was his restraint in dealing with players on the sideline. I don't even know how Eugene would react if they saw a coach cut out his players like Jim McWayne or Brian Kelly do. I mean, can you imagine the outrage that people would have if if a TV camera zoom, was zoomed in on Oregon head coach Jim McElwain or Brian Kelly, just dressing down a dude.
0: I am not People, a Notre Dame fan, and Brian Kelly made me uncomfortable at times. He, he was like he was legitimately in anger management because he was so
1: face, ridiculous. If, if your face is purple, it's a problem. Yeah. So that that was my that was my third category. Two more categories for you
0: well, no, we should put let me see where where did Brian Kelly come from before he was at Notre Dame? He was at Cincinnati
1: Cincinnati yep,
0: um I would say he's not he's not he's not a fit for
1: Eugene no, absolutely not
0: well, here's the thing here's the thing. A tweet came out, somebody was doing one of those things where they track planes out of Eugene and everything, and where they're leaving and everything. And they found a private plane from Eugene flew to South Bend, Indiana.
1: Jesus.
0: I would rather have Helfrich than Brian Kelly. I also thought... I also believe Helfrich should have gotten another year.
1: I would rather have... Al (laughs) Yogi. I mean, like, I would... Honestly, I would rather have Todd Graham than Brian Kelly. And you know how I feel about Todd
0: Graham. <laughs> his microphone. I just can't handle it. I and just can't it
1: handle is, it. And his yeah. Britney Spears microphone. Uh, the last category that I have. And, and we're talking about another person who can't, can't develop players. That have actually been mentioned. Before. Oh, yeah. Uh. The the next category that I have, which is talking about just that have actually been mentioned in the coaching search by reputable sources, is non-Power 5 head coaches. P.J. Fleck, Scott Frost, and Willie Taggart. Thoughts, feelings, emotions?
0: Uh, P.J. Fleck, everybody is butt-chugging the Kool-Aid on P.J. Fleck.
1: Gotta row that boat.
0: And it's... (sighs) It's tough because, from my perspective, it's it's really tough to take him seriously at times. And he's really young, but I see some of the stuff he does, and it's like some of these players just like buy in, and it seems like he genuinely cares about all his players and everything. Even though when he became head coach, he revoked offers from like everybody in that recruiting class. Instead, if they really wanted to go there, he would uh, they would get to his office and say they wanted to play during a closed period in recruiting and pretty much at the end of the recruiting cycle. But you know, whatever gets the job done, um, it's just it's really tough to take him seriously when he's the head coach and he has like this row the boat thing and he's like dancing around doing row the boats. Like I'm having a really hard time taking you seriously. But I also am one of those people that sees like some of the best coaches and they all look super serious
1: all the time. At the same time though. Uh, and and I just thought of this, I hadn't thought about this before, but P.J. Fleck, obviously, in my mind, that motivational tactic of being – that wouldn't fly in the NFL. P.J. Fleck, in terms of motivational tactics, reminds me a lot of Jim Harbaugh, where it might fly with college kids because they're only there for four years and they're younger. Um – but you saw Jim Harbaugh go to the NFL, and that wore thin real quick. Um,
0: yeah, a bunch I, of players just retired. They're like, you know what, we're done with this.
1: No, we're done. Um, I, I guess I, P.J. Fleck obviously has done a great job at, at Western Michigan. They're undefeated this year. He's a very good, good recruiter. My questions about P.J. Fleck are he's only shown it for one year. And his recruiting base is the Midwest. It is Chicago, Michigan, Indiana, et cetera, et cetera. Number one, how do you do recruiting when you're away from your recruiting base? And number two, that's not the most fertile of recruiting bases in the world. So if we're trying to compete nationally with... Teams that pull five stars out of California and Florida and Texas, Texas and everywhere. Do we really want to have a head coach whose recruiting base is the Midwest? I. That's my question about PJ Fleck.
0: Yeah, I'm not now, into running Michigan State's offense. I'm not into running Wisconsin's offense.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's another discussion is is what what does our team look like? I mean, our brand has been built on going fast. Uh, Is this a, just kidding, we're gonna be Stanford North now. Um,
0: I would rather be a below, like I would rather be like in terms of like advanced stats, be less than Stanford. And run like a spread because I can't watch Stanford's offense.
1: I must be entertained.
0: I literally cannot stand it. Like, at some points, I'm like, oh my God, just let them score. I'm so bored right now.
1: So, s- second co- head coach in that non power five uh, category was Willie Taggart, which can- he's been talked about a lot today and hadn't been talked about a lot before. He's actually interesting because
0: I really he, like him. I really like him.
1: He's done a very good job at USF. It's not been a one-year blip like PJ Fleck has. He's really built that program into a consistent contender in their in their conference. Um he does have history in Power 5 when he was at Stanford, I believe. Yeah, um,
0: he was he was at Stanford when they were really at their peak.
1: So Willie Taggart to me is more intriguing than PJ Fleck, even though PJ Fleck has been getting all this love, um, just because he's been he's shown that he can build a program over multiple, and it's not just a one year blip. I mean, if I was if I was Texas, that would be my concern with Tom Herman. Is yeah, they were really good last year. When they went to what the Peach Bowl, right? Um, but then they kind of fell off this year. And at Oregon, what we're looking for is we are looking for consistent excellence. And I'm, I'm not sold on PJ Fleck like being able to del- deliver that, just because I don't. It's an unknown. Um, Willie Taggart has a little bit longer track record of success. Third person. Our golden boy, Scott Frost, the caller of all the fade routes. Thoughts and feelings. Scott Frost? Yeah.
0: I really like Scott Frost too. He took UCF from being winless to, I think they're going to a bowl game this year. UCF was bad.
1: They were worse than
0: bad. They were competitive. Let me pull up their schedule, because I actually... I remember watching them against Michigan, and granted they lost, but they looked competitive at times, And even though it wasn't that close, but like... Winning is like they lost by seven to Houston... Um, they lost to Willie Tiger at USF and Scott Frost is really like another guy though it's he has connections to Oregon like I think he would keep a lot of the position coaches because I know he tried to take some of them
1: with him and he did take some of them with him we talked uh, Eric Chandler is their at UCF Um, who I believe is nominated for an Assistant of the Year award now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Scott Frost is outside of the program enough for Rob Mullins. Um, Which is why I like him. Well, yeah, I know, but I mean, it's... I guess when when Rob Mullen us a question at, at the press conference by saying, for the first time, you know, we're going to be looking at a, at a head coach outside of the program. I think if you hire Scott Frost, you're going to have a lot of people saying, well, yeah, sure. He's technically outside of the program, but he was just part of the program a year ago. Um, so, I don't know. I, I guess that's my that's my question about Scott Frost. Um, my other question about Scott Frost is s- a vocal portion of our fan base did not like his play calling. Um, it's weird
0: he only, read, he only led, like, every year, like, the second best offense in the country.
1: Yeah. I mean, but like we've said before, facts are secondary emotions are king
0: that's that's like the one thing that's been so frustrating during this whole process is that it's almost like talking politics with people like at some point during this process like you know what? i'd rather talk to a trump supporter because <laughs> and no i'm serious i'm serious like people became so combative like so fast like people would be like be like what what has he ever done that, that could show you that he could turn this around? It's like, I don't know. Maybe he recruited Marcus Mariota. Maybe he was one of the people doing a lot of recruiting when Chip Kelly was head coach. Maybe it's because his recruiting rankings were comparable to a couple of Chip Kelly's uh, recruiting classes. Maybe it's because he developed Marcus Mariota. Maybe because he made it to a national title game and crushed Florida State in the Rose Bowl.
1: Like, oh god, that was so much fun. Like I remember. And, and
0: I remember. But honestly, it makes me so mad when people are like, "Oh, he was he was just riding the coattails of Marcus Mariota." It's like, "No, the defense showed up big time in a lot of those games." And there's a lot of coaches like it is so tough to win in college football. Like Urban Meyer and Saban get the money and fame that they do because they will almost always win that's why they demand so much money that's why they get coaches careers like Saban has gotten so many coaches fired in the SEC because everybody's chasing Saban and winning a national championship even making it to the game requires a lot and bad coaches don't end up in national title games
1: Bad coaches get weeded out.
0: Yeah, and and it's 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 even like that one year, they might have just crushed it. Like, is it easier when you have Marcus Mariota? Is it easier when you have Kim Newton? Yeah. There, there are three constants. I, I'm fired up now. There are three constants to making it to a national title game. First off, your coach is Urban Meyer. Second off, your coach is Nick Saban. Third off, you have a Heisman... You have a Heisman quarterback on your team. Those are the three things over the last, like, I think it was 16 years that determined if you made it to a national title game. Keep in mind that Florida, led by Tim Tebow in his second Heisman year, lost four games in the bowl game to Michigan when Lloyd Carr was on the way out. It is hard to make it to the national title game.
1: Winning is hard. Winning is hard. But did we quit <laughs> with the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? No. It's just uh, –
0: so, that's, that's my thing. And it's like, uh, yeah, the evidence is that he went to a national title game. And then, like, someone tried to pick a fight with me on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, there were four people texting me in all caps – or messaging me in all caps on Twitter about how I was wrong and how I was being dumb about it. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for I'm sorry that my facts are getting in the way of your narrative. Sports
1: and, is emotion, man.
0: Yeah, and so but it is there are plenty of valid arguments for getting rid of Helfrich. Like some of those games were bad. Oh boy. Some of them Bad, but you know, if we're like upset about him not having a quarterback, well, guess what? We have Justin Herbert. Uh, they're not uh, happy with recruiting. Well, guess what? The stars on this team uh, were freshmen. Like this team is ready to go. And if the new coach coming in it doesn't perform well, it's not because of the it's not because of the players next year. It is not. I've gotten a lot of reps. There's a lot of growing between the first and second year of college football. Like this team is ready to go.
1: She wants. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, super bad for everybody who's seen that movie. That was about a super bad reference. Um,
1: I want. I want to move on to my last and possibly most fun coaching category.
0: Oh! 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 Wait! 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 So there was one coach that I saw was uh Lincoln Riley.
1: That's right. Assistant at Oklahoma, right?
0: He's the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. According to advanced stats, Oklahoma has had like the best offenses. It was like they had the best offense the last like 5 years. This year they're number 1 in every single advanced stat.
1: Sorry. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. I know nothing about Lincoln Riley, but so then again, I have feelings.
0: But then again, Halford said he's not picking anybody who only has expertise on like one side of the ball, so that kind of eliminates Lincoln Riley.
1: See, I didn't. I didn't read that quote that way. I, I know what your quote you're talking about, um, but I was watching that press conference, and his answer was not Rob Mullins saying. Uh, I want a coach that is not an expert on one side of the ball or the other. Um, His answer to me was, he's not going into the search saying, I only want an offensive coach or I only want a defensive coach. Uh, That answer to me was him saying, I'm open to a coach who has expertise on either side of the ball, um, whether it's defense or offense. That's kinda of how I
0: interpret Oh okay. It. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> consider I considering the the last two head coaches we've had, Coach Alfridge and Chip Kelly, have been offensive coaches. That that was kind of the question that was posed there. Right. Um, my last and most fun category in my opinion. This one is fun is coaches who have not been mentioned by any reputable news source who happened to be hot in the past two years. And my top two are Kevin Sumlin and Hugh Freitz. I
0: don't... I like both of those. I don't love them,
1: but I like them. Exactly. There's sleepers. There's some intrigue there now. Hugh Freeze, I think people would flip because of all the allegations about improper recruiting and but using who that. who hasn't done that? I mean, uh, one Charles Kelly probably did, uh, allegedly. Um, but it. I was thinking about this today, and thinking about all the candidates that have been mentioned, and a year ago, two years ago you couldn't go a day without hearing Kevin Sumlin's name be mentioned for some open job, whether it was USC or any of the other jobs or Texas or whatever. You you couldn't, you couldn't turn on sports center without hearing about Kevin Sumlin being the the next hot coach. Um, Same thing with Hugh Freeze last year before the NFL draft and, all those allegations came out. But um, it, it's interesting to, to me how much their star has doled over a year or two. Um, that's the kind of coach that I think Oregon could go after and get who would be a really solid hire that no one would think is, is on our radar. Another one, and this is not... A coach that's been really hot in the last two years, but who hasn't been mentioned, who just had a really down year, who has proven himself to be a solid coach over a decade or so, is Mark D'Antonio. Oh,
0: by the way, who also has a terrible record this year, and no one is asking for him to get fired.
1: Yep. No one. I guess things are different in East Lansing. But I, I guarantee you, if if a Phil Knight's plane shows up in East Lansing and says, "Hey, uh, you just went what four and eight? I think they have our same record. Let me, let me look uh, this up. Also, I don't
0: think Texas A uh, someone would do well uh, because he's gone. He's gotten five losses the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, this this is purely speculation. This is this is for fun.
0: I, I don't think I don't think people we want a coach who has lost five games in a season before.
1: Yeah, we're a little about that. Yeah, you we're know. we're
0: not about that life. Um, well, let me see here. We're,
1: we're talking about uh, Nick Saban and Urban Meyer, and uh, let's bring back John Madden. Let's he'll be uh,
0: <laughs> get this, get this. Uh, Michigan State has won, not five, not four, not three, but two games. Oh God! They beat it's Furman. They beat Furman. Furman by fifteen, and uh, they beat Notre Dame in week two.
1: Looks like Connor Cook was. Uh was okay in being the cocky son of a well, no 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 no
0: I can't count they beat Rutgers but then he yeah, hasn't the, beat Rutgers
1: does that really count as a win
0: yeah well they lost to Maryland Illinois um, those are like the bad ones
1: So I don't know I, I was just saying I was thinking about Mark D'Antonio today he's been to Austin. he knows what it's like yeah. Uh, it, again, that is just completely uh, blowing smoke, and it's fun to think about. But honestly, I have no idea what we're going to do in this coaching search. Oh, um,
0: oh we did mention, we, we mention Brian Herson Go on. He's the Boise State head coach.
1: Yeah, um, riding
0: Chris Peterson's coattails.
1: I, I don't really entertain Boise State. That's not uh, that's not something I'm interested in. I'm, so I'm not uh, pass.
0: I'm not that I'm not that excited about him either. Um, another yeah. name that I saw that's, come up. That's Bo Baldwin.
1: That's more interesting. I mean, it's fine, I guess. I don't.
0: I, it's
1: like I guess. Honestly, I have no idea what's going to happen in this coaching search. Um, I don't whoever either. the coach ends up being, I will cheer for them unless it's Brian Kelly, um, and and accept them into our Oregon family. Actually, but, there's one
0: other one that we talked about. What's that? Of uh, an. The guy who led a team that, for a few years, I called the New Oregon. He has uh, recently left a school for uh, selling its soul in the worst way possible. Oh, also, I saw a writer who will not be named who said Oregon sold its soul. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right.
1: I know yeah, where, right. I know where you're going with this.
0: Yeah. Art Bryles.
1: Art Bryles. He's hot. He's a hot commodity.
0: No, you can get him at a discount. Actually, Art Bryles is the only person if we hired where I would boycott Oregon sports. And I know, I know I'm not alone. I would just watch like softball. Actually, I don't even know if I would watch Oregon sports because I'd just be so upset at the athletic department as a whole.
1: Can you imagine the protests on campus? No it would be a, it would be unbelievable.
0: Yeah, like I, as you yes. pointed out, off, the, off, off recording, uh, they got turned about the basketball, but the basketball fiasco. And that wasn't that, that wasn't there were very few facts available when that happened. And there are a multitude of facts. There are a lot of facts in this Baylor case. Did you see that the that the school was like, yeah, we didn't have the money to get a full report. We didn't have the money to commission a full report, so we just we just asked for them to do an an oral an oral exam. We don't have a hard copy. They just came in and did a big presentation. Nobody took notes.
1: They couldn't. You motherfuckers didn't want to tape it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the the printer, the printer fees would have been um, um outstanding. It would have been so high. Been cool.
1: you, you don't know how to use voice recorder, voice yeah. memos on an iPhone? Come on, man. You
0: can't transcribe the meeting.
1: Nope. Too much. No minutes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, honestly, whoever the coach ends up being, obviously I wish them the best because – I love my school and I want the program and I want the guys on the team to be successful um, I don't feel good right now about what firing Coach Halfridge means for us but at this point it is what it is and we need to move on and you know hopefully it works out for the best
0: quick lightning round Um, Go. We already talked about Lane Kiffin. Um, I just had this
1: guy's name up. Dana Holgerson. Eugene can be a couch-burning place. I've seen it happen. Burn those couches. Hold the
0: line!
1: I've I've seen couches burning in the streets in Eugene. Uh, Dana Holgerson would be entertaining.
0: Yeah. And his his spread system's great. They're like a power running spread team. And he has somehow managed to figure out how to play defense in the Big Twelve.
1: I don't know how it's happened. Yeah, although
0: he just signed a fat extension with West Virginia. Um next next one. Um there's another one that I wanted to pull up.
1: Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen is interesting. Fun fact. I mean, him and Chip
0: Kelly were coaches together at one point. Where? Uh, I think at Johns Hopkins. Or maybe it was New Hampshire.
1: I smoked weed with Johnny Hopkins. I smoked
0: weed with Johnny Hopkins.
1: Um, Dan Mullen, is another, he's another one of those ones who... He, what his star was shining really bright two years ago, and then Dak Prescott left.
0: Okay. Uh, so yeah. So uh, Dan Mullen, Chip Kelly, and Gary Croughton, um are all have extremely strong ties to New Hampshire, and Dan Mullen was an advocate for Chip to go to Oregon.
1: Hmm. Who would have known? Yeah.
0: Interesting. His offenses. Are good. I've always liked him as the head coach. Mississippi State's hard too because you're in the same. It's like Oregon State. Yeah. Because they they have the bigger Ole Miss team in state. They don't have the advantages that like Auburn, Alabama, LSU have in that division. And they're often competitive.
1: Like Stark Vegas. (laughs) Stark Vegas. Yeah, uh I would I would be pretty happy with a Dan Mullen hire. I'd be I I'd, I'd I'd be okay with that. I like that
0: one. That was another one that came out that I really liked. I
1: don't think it's likely, but I
0: like it. Yeah, maybe he's trying to get away from saving Got any know. more like rounds for me? Oh he's 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 getting paid four million dollars.
1: That's alright. Pretty Phil much every right.
0: every coach in that division is getting paid four million dollars.
1: Uncle Phil's okay with ten million per year. That's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. That was the most Thanks, ridiculous Darren. tweet ever. I'm Darren Ravel is a human is a human press release system. Any company, like I bet I could come up with some video game app, send Darren Ravel a press release, and he would have an article about it the next day
1: absolutely
0: yeah he he already has tweets primed I'm sure about hot dog sales at, at Dodger Stadium or the price increase of soft pretzels wherever the brewers play whatever ballpark that is cool Darren I really <laughs> needed to know that information I've never seen a person more 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 excited to read off tweets like he was doing did you tell me about this he was doing like a Super Bowl segment. And he was like, "I've got 150 tweets planned. I've got them all oh, yeah. ready to go." It's like, oh, yeah. "Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me?"
1: He's he's the guy that hashtags sports business. Yeah. Anything else you want to uh, want to discuss? Basketball just won against Western Oregon, so that's nice.
0: Hell yeah! Hell yeah!
1: Oregon basketball
0: what, what, has a habit of getting behind early. Like the, they just cannot get out of their way against Boise State. Like, that was painful to watch at times. It's like, oh my god, stop! You
1: know it's painful to watch that big Byron Hout dude on Boise State who was just jacking up threes.
0: He's that guy in pickup that I hate. Get in the post. Stop shooting all these threes. You spend all this time shooting threes in practice. Learn how to post up. Makes me furious. Makes me furious. Yeah, get 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 low. Stop this. Stop this crap. And yeah, he he had a three, and then shush the student section. Who are you? Who are you? This is the one time you're on TV. Knock that crap off. Uh, (laughs) Knock that crap off. Um, So
1: let's let's end it on a positive note. Yeah, we got basketball season coming up. Yeah, Uh, Dylan Brooks scored five points. Dylan Brooks looks healthy. Oh. Two of those five points were uh, a very large slam against Western Oregon. Um,
0: no, this was against Boise State.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, he did not have a good game against, uh, against Boise State. One of but the he nine. played well tonight. He he played well tonight. And uh, so we have basketball coming up. we got things to look forward to. And hopefully everything works out great. Yeah. Cake for everyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's take a look at the schedule right here. Um, they got Savannah State on Saturday. Ooh, I might be able to watch this one. All these midday games, like with the Maui Invitational, knock that crap off. I can watch bad. like the some like the first three games of the year, and then Alabama's eight days after that. Montana's a couple days after that in mid December. UNLV hosting December 17th and then we hit conference play uh, December 28th so yeah they just need to stop getting off to these rough starts
1: so well we got a fun season to look forward to yeah it's gonna be
0: great I'm excited for it it's just a slow start but I'm so confident
1: they're going to pick it up. In yeah, we'll fun. We have depth. We have we have versatility. We can shoot. We can handle the ball. We got Casey Benson coming off the bench now, um, who is just a wonderful point guard. So every, everything's everything's looking up on the basketball side of things. Yeah. Final thoughts.
0: Um. I just want us to get a new coach. I want to stop talking about it. And I want to stop hearing other people talk about it.
1: Sounds like the election. Go Ducks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, go Ducks. All right, well, that'll do it for us. Wow, this went an hour and over eight minutes. We did not plan it to go that long. All right. um, So... Uh let's hope that uh Phil Knight was is not messing around with his money and we get Chip Kelly. I would love that. It's not going to happen. That's how we classified it, but a, I can dream. I can dream. So, all right, that'll do it for us. That's and Quack. You you guys got a lot. You guys got a lot of of quack today. All right. I'm Rusty Joined once again by the most valuable fill-in. So he's he's doing the fist pumps right now. So awesome. Uh, we will hopefully talk to you guys next week, uh, barring uh, as, as long as Skype doesn't not work for us again. So, all right. Thanks for listening. If you got all, all the way this far, uh, about 69 minutes in. So we'll see you Thanks. guys next week. <laughs> yeah, nice. Bye.